Welcome to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide, a Cassource family production. In this episode, we discuss baseball cards, authenticity, and jack of all trades. This podcast exists in large part because of CASCM, the content marketing business inside Cassource Inc. So what does CASCM do? You know how many business leaders need help communicating their story? Well, that's what we do content creation and distribution for business leaders. This provides opportunities, relationships, and a platform for you and your business. Why do we do this? Because at CADCM, we exist to help business leaders build a meaningful legacy that is worth living and leaving. Learn more by visiting cadcm.com. Today, we speak with Stu Stone, director of the sports documentary, Jack of All Trades. Stu Stone is an actor and writer from Ontario, Canada. He is best known for his work on Donnie Darko, The Boys Club, and Jack of All Trades. Jack of All Trades is a documentary that gives an investigative look into the baseball card scandal during the late 80s and early 90s. This documentary, of course, has a major left turn. Stu provides behind-the-scenes stories from his time directing and creating the documentary to a story growing up in the card-collecting era. Let's not wait any longer. We welcome Stu Stone. In the movie, and I think it was early on, there were some pictures, and they were showing maybe your family, and maybe it was with you and a friend, maybe one of your friends, and maybe your sister, and you had a Bills hat on. Was that was that you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was. I was a I, I was a Bills fan as well. I mean, we we, we don't have NFL here, so we yep. have we're, you know the Bills, and you know of course the Bills um they broke everyone's heart four years in a row. So tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I don't remind you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, it's crazy. I mean, you guys almost got the Bills. I mean, there was that when the Bills got the Pagula, the Pagulas bought them. Um, I mean, Bon Jovi was in there, and I know they were trying to get them to Toronto. So um, I remember, and you mentioned it in the movie as well as Joe Carter. So I remember, I can't remember what grade I'm. We're similar. I'm a little bit older, I think, than you. Um, but I remember being at my friend's house and. So I rooted, so I went up. One of my friends was actually, his um, his uh, father lived in Toronto. So we would go up once in a while. We'd go to the Sky Dome. And whatever. my dad was an Indians fan. And I was, I was an Indians fan too. But the Blue Jays were good, right? So you're younger and I'm just hopping on a bandwagon or whatever. But the Blue Jays were fascinating because we went to the Sky Dome. They had this awesome stadium. I was there one time early on. And they opened the stadium up during the middle, or they closed it during the middle of the game. But anyway, I remember exactly where I was, and I didn't—I wasn't born and raised a Blue Jays fan, so I can't imagine what it was like when Joe Carter hits the home run to win the World Series. Like, do you remember exactly where you were yeah, then? Of course I do. It was—it uh, was unbelievable. Um, I was actually, ironically enough, I was selling T-shirts outside of the Sky Dome for that World Series game, and we had all of these boxes of like Blue Jays World Series champion tees that we had the guy that I was working for he like ordered like tons of them and they were all we were all like laid out ready to rock and then like the Jays are down and it's the ninth uh, it's and uh we start packing up all the stuff to get the hell out of there right yeah and so we're like packing up the trucks and un, you know refilling the boxes with the t-shirts and all of a sudden Joe Carter hits the home run <laughs> And it was like madness. Like, oh. I think this guy sold like, like you know, twenty thousand dollars <laughs> worth of shirts in like, you know, a matter of minutes. But I just remember the the atmosphere was unlike anything you can imagine. I mean, you've seen celebrations on TV and stuff when you know cities go crazy when they win a championship. Right. Well, this is like in Canada, like a, a polite version of that. 
that <laughs> went on, it went on for hours and like the the streets were just flooded with people and it was the best man it was such a good feeling and yeah. it's something that you remember forever and it's interesting because now we're a little bit older but you know we speak so fondly of that Joe Carter moment and there's like kids today that like don't even know what we're talking about yeah and it's crazy to me because like when I was a kid, I remember stuff that happened before I was born. Right. You know, I, I mean, I don't remember it, but I know of it. Like I right. knew like the Giants win the pennant, right. the Giants win the pennant. Like I <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> I know stuff that happened before. I know what the Beatles are. I know who the Stones are, but there's kids today, you know, I don't want to be, you know, angry grandpa, but there's like, <laughs> that like don't know the Joe Carter home run. They don't know who Nirvana is. They don't know yeah. anything. No. Um, so, you're right. I, I'm fascinated by that. It's funny because we have people in our office, and, and you know, John and, and John helps me edit. He you know edits a podcast. He's involved with our marketing company and all that. And we always make fun of him because he doesn't know any movies like pre a certain. They don't know any movies, right? And it blows my mind. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know Breakfast Club? Like you've never heard of it. Yeah, and then you could just name a bunch of them. You're like, well, I yeah. know some movies, and maybe I didn't see some of them. But you're like, you know, Airplane, and you kind of go back like it's rite of passage. But like you're right because it's like Joe Carter or someone else winning the World Series or winning some pennant or just players. Ted Williams. I mean, like I never watched Ted Williams play, but I certainly know lots about him. But yeah, it's fascinating that you went there with that. Well, it's interesting because because you know nowadays there is it's an information age and you can know anything and look up anything at the and instantly watch see learn anything you want is at the tip of your fingers on your cell phone on your computer on your cell phone on your yeah. on your on your phone you can look up anything <laughs> you want and yeah. we come from an era where that didn't exist and i feel like we knew more yeah and that's that's insane it is. Well, it's like I'm watching your movie yesterday and um, I'm on IMDb because I'm just like, all right, where was this person? Is this what were they in? I'm trying to learn about you and, you know, and people that were in the movie um, because and forgive me because we've, we've covered a lot of different names. But your friend who was filming the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he's done a lot of um, it sounds like uh, um, videos for songs, yeah. right? Like a ton, see, of, a ton of them, yeah, and it's crazy, and it just it just goes. There's like this web of information. Obviously, it's the internet; it's this web, but it truly is this web of information that is just endless, um, and it doesn't stop. And so, I guess like you almost have to pick and choose what you're really gonna focus on, right? It's an, it's incredible, you know. Me, I'm uh, it, to me, it's like the the fact that you can like kids. In this day and age, you know, if you can think of something that you remember even vaguely seeing on television as a kid, you can look it up and it's on YouTube, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 insane. And, you know, I love it. You can go – but you can also fall into a trap and waste a, your entire day going into a black hole. Of, <laughs> yeah. You know, all of a sudden yeah. you look up and six hours have gone by and you've been watching, you know, or, you know old WWF matches from 1988. It's it's crazy. It is, but, and then uh, you can miss the good stuff too. So like your documentary comes out, and I don't. I think I was looking at baseball card stuff because I'm sure you've seen this. The baseball card industry is like rising up again. I'm sure you know this, but and you would know yes. more about this stuff than anything else. And it's kind of been fascinating to like watch it. And I've pulled out a lot of my cards, and I you know I have a lot of 80s and 90s, and you know get into that in a bit too. But 
I think I was looking it up and I came across and I saw the front cover and I was like, what's that? And it says Jack of all trades. And I'm like, that looks cool. I got to learn more. So I just, and that's just caught my attention because I was in this little web. It was on Twitter, I think was the first place. And I saw it on Instagram and I was like, well, there's a trailer for it. What is that all about? And I saw the trailer. I'm like, well, I need to watch that. Like that has to happen. And then I reached out. I think on Twitter and then on Instagram and talk to a few of your people and they're like, no, that would, and like, it was just trying to learn about it at first. And I'm like, I'd love to interview someone from a part of that. Like, you need to talk to Stu. And I said, well, who's Stu? And he's like, director. I was like, oh, wow, this, this is really cool. I really need to dive into this. And, and sometimes though it's hard because there's so much out there that I'm like, people need to see, the people that, not everybody needs to see every movie. I'm not that way, right? You have to have these unique interests. If you grew up in that time, if you follow sports or any of those types of things, and then you have like this life of family and you understand relationships and there's a bar mitzvah involved with it and there's just all this stuff, it's like, whoa, that would be, I just know so many people that would totally dive into what you created. But hopefully they will. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they will. And that's a part of like being on a podcast yeah. and getting it out there. But I think it's yeah. hard to show. It's hard to stand out. And we know it because we create content. Yeah, there's, a sea, there's, a, there's a sea of there's a sea of, of stuff out there. I, I understand what you're saying it's a yeah. vast ocean of yeah. choices that you can make to spend your time and kill your time. Yeah. And, you know, like the uh, Harv, who you mentioned earlier, uh, to, I'll give him credit on on the, the uh, poster art for Jack of all trades. Um because it came out really beautifully, but I think like that poster kind of hits you in the core, like you know, it hits you in the nostalgia, uh, uh, right in the nostalgia. You know, if you don't even know what the movie is and you're and you're uh, you're skimming through and you see that and you're from a certain era, you're gonna stop and look at what that is because it's gonna it's gonna hit you in the sensories and you're gonna be like, whoa, that's a pack of baseball cards. <laughs> that's right. It, it it absolutely does that, and and I think that's it. It was important to get there, to get to that moment. But then when you get to the movie, you go through the emotions of all of it, and it starts with baseball cards. And I want to ask you this because, you know, people sometimes see a movie and they expected it to be one thing, and it turns into something else. And I think sometimes it's I don't know if it's narrow mindedness. I don't know what it is. That, but most of the time, a movie or or a story, there's multiple things happening in that. You know, I was like, well, what, just whatever, like randomly what comes to mind? I was thinking like Titanic, Titanic's about a, a ship sinking in the water. Well, no, there's a lot more than that. It's actually about relationships and, you know, this love story or whatever, fever pitch come to mind because baseball or whatever. And it's like, well, it could be about the Boston Red Sox. But again, that was about relationships as well. So there's always has to be these underlying things. And I saw some reviews on there and a lot of great reviews. But in, in, I heard you on a podcast say like, there's going to be haters out there. There's going to be haters for everything and, you know, screw them, whatever. But I saw there like people were like expecting just baseball and they get into it and it's like, no, 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 you're getting hit with more than just baseball. Because my wife, who's watching it with me, she doesn't really doesn't know anything about baseball cards and she'll watch some sports here and there. But the relationship aspect of it, like she was almost talking to the TV when I think your sister mentioned at, at, at like I think you weren't there and they were talking about, well, we're going to get we're going to get him in front of your dad. And she was like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. You know, and it's like there's so much going on with that. But people, some people were like, well, just wanted baseball. Like, what's the, been the reaction where this is way deeper than just baseball cards, even though the baseball card industry was a huge part of the movie? Yeah, I mean, listen, I was one of those people at first, right? I wanted to make a, a baseball card movie, so I get where they're coming from. And, I've, and, and you know, if you know... I mean, in in the original cut of the movie that we had turned into the, to our distributors, it was 
a 20 minute longer movie and there was 20 minutes more of baseball. Um, you know, I covered, you know, I, I, I really went in deep and learned a lot and figured out a lot about cards. But, you know, once we started sort of handing in cuts and stuff and the family aspect of the film was just so powerful and amazing and to people, you know, that we were sending in tests, um, uh, like rough, the rough edit of the movie that we sent in, like people were crying watching a rough edit. It was crazy. And so, you know, everybody, we, we had a, we, you know, contractually, we had like a time limit on like the, the amount, the runtime of the film. They wanted it to be a certain amount of time. So for whatever reason, so they could make sales to television or whatever. And so we had to make some tough decisions. And I guess it ultimately wasn't that tough a decision in the end because the family stuff was so compelling that, you know, there was just enough to, to satisfy the baseball card people. But there's like a broader audience out there for people who didn't even collect cards that would just watch this on the level that it's like a, you know, a, a human interest kind of story, I guess. Um, you know, I, in a perfect world, there'd be a lot more baseball cards in the movie. But, you know, it's an imperfect world and it's an imperfect sort of story. So it kind of fits pretty well. The people that are disappointed, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, I think that they should – I don't know what movie they watched or like, right. I, I don't know what more I can do because yeah, no, I think I, you, I think I you hit it. Go ahead. I think the movie services, you know, what they're looking for and, and, and then some, but like you just said, you watched it for the baseball cards. Your wife watched it just to do something with you and she probably ended up really liking it. I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, I think you'll find it, you know, as if word of mouth can grow and organically this thing can grow, there'll hopefully be a lot more of that. Well, I think you see it though. Like I watched the trailer, so you saw there was a moment, and I and I saw the trailer a while ago. But I believe in the trailer, there's a point where things change in the trailer, and there was something about your right. dad that was in there. So I knew, and I love it. Like I'm, you know, when she wants to watch a rom com or different, I'm I'm into all of it. Like I like it, and I I think it needs that because it's not as compelling. Now, I would have watched a documentary on baseball cards. But that human interest story, like you just said, that's a necessary thing for that movie. And clearly, they all saw it. And it was probably different for you and unique for you because it's like, well, hold on a second. Yeah, I'm all in a human interest story, too. But this is my human interest story. Like, this is the world seeing what happened to me, and what I had to go through. That, that's, that's like, we talk about being, you know, you have a podcast. We have, it's just conversation. Like I said earlier on, it's just real people. And I think that relates more to like all this canned stuff and overproduced things. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I want to see like what really was going on. It's like, we've seen all the games before. What are they thinking? Like, what are they thinking off the court, off the field, all this, like, what's the trueness of this? Because we want to cut through the BS and get right to the good stuff. And right. not necessarily it's good. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be sad. It could be all those different things. But this is no, your I, human interest story that you had to showcase. No, it's 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 a wild ride, man. And for me, it was uh, something that I never thought that I would ever address. And now it's like the only thing I talk about it nowadays. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's something that like was very you know kept inside. And now like everybody's sort of seen the story. And you'd be surprised how many people hit me up that have that it affected them and it went they went through similar things and. It made me kind of realize, you know, that, um, you know, I think I've said this before, but, you know, any problem that I have or that you have or anyone who's listening have, the most complex problem that you can possibly imagine, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people out there that have the same exact thing going on to them. 
um, and it makes you realize that there is no problem that's that is that's unique. You're right. That There's, there is other people out there going that are stuff. going through what you're going through. Well, and and you can, you know, if you're not alone, and no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. I guess that's my point. Um, you know, some of the feedback we got, um, negative feedback. You know, you know, you're you're not supposed to look at at, at, at feedback. <laughs> You're a filmmaker because there's always going to, you know, people use the internet to say they don't like things, not that they like things. Right. And so, you know, you can't help yourself. You read the negative stuff too, but, you know, people need to understand that, that, you know, well, my sister, like a little, a little spoiler here. <coughs> Excuse me. My sister ran over my card collection right before we went into, to, went, right, right before I went into try to go and sell the cards, right. And a lot of people are like, ah, I don't know about that. In reality, it was like a one-hour argument that took place. In in reality, in in order in in the confines of an eighty-five-minute story, it has to be edited to, to yeah. in order to be able to you know, or else that scenes get getting cut out of the movie completely. And then when when you see me with Jose Canseco, I was with him for two hours. Yeah, and you saw three and a half minutes of that conversation that's edited. So. You know, it's 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 remarkable to be to that. You know, people don't understand the plight of a filmmaker, I suppose. But when you really think of it, um, you know, without giving too much away to people who haven't seen it, but you know, the stuff that happens at the end of the movie that 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 uh, you know, the situation that I find myself in that's really emotional and it's a crazy kind of thing involving my father. You know, not only did I have to live it there, but I had to live it over and over and over again because you. You know the movie's just getting started after you shoot. You have to put it together, so it's like living with that. And it's it's it's. I didn't just do it once. I feel like I went into that hotel a thousand times because yeah. I had to live with that footage and cut it and watch it and see it and notes and cuts and no, it's like so many times I had to go through it that I'm almost like uh, you would think that I would be you know sort of um, immune to it now at this point, but it still gets me. I I can watch that. I haven't watched the movie. In a little bit, but I could I could watch that the movie two hundred times and would still get emotional for me at certain points. It's it's a really hard hitting movie and it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, and compared to other work that I've done, it definitely stands out to me as like one of the craziest kind of things that I've ever put out there. And I do direct other films. I direct these horror movies and stuff, and they're like popcorn fun movies. And this is not that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is definitely not that, uh, and 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 I feel like I can confidently recommend this movie to anybody, whether they like cards or not, because I think there's something for everybody in it. Um, especially if you're of a certain age, if you're over, if you're like over the age of thirty, you're gonna find something that you like in this movie. I have a feeling. Uh, I hope anyway. I agree. But also, you know, we're fighting it in that vast sea of content that's out there. You know, we are a little tiny dinghy in the water. We, we're not on the Titanic. We're not on the huge boat. We don't have huge billboards, flyers, banners. Uh, we don't have like one of those biplanes floating, flying over the beach that says <laughs> goes back of all trades. So, you know, getting guys like you who like it and want to use your platform to help us spread our word, it's, it's amazing. And it's truly grassroots and uh, independent filmmaking at its best. Um, and thank you for being a part of that process. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for you and, and other guys like you and guys like me who podcast and stuff, quirky, smaller projects and albums and movies and, you know, stuff like that wouldn't even – no one would know about it if it wasn't for guys like, like you. So 
So again, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not blowing smoke, man. I'm, I'm being honest here. Uh, I appreciate it, and don't ever think that what you're doing is not important because it is. Uh, because guys like me wouldn't be able to get our message out if it wasn't for guys like you. And uh, and and I don't know how I even got to that. <laughs> no, but that's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts and and everything that you're talking about. I mean, it's. I, that's why we love it. We love entrepreneurship, right? I love. I just love it. I love talking to people that have these entrepreneurial tendencies that get out there and just create something. My mom was an artist. Her mom was an artist, and they could take a blank piece of canvas and create something from it. I see the same thing with it. If you're a songwriter, if you're a performer, if you're a director, if you're an actor, it's like, and I see it in business, and that's why we love doing it, having these conversations. And the conversations are, like I said, use the word before, dynamic. They go in different directions. There, there is no set way to do it. Like I can ask you questions, and then we can, you can go take it down all these different paths. And and I think what it is too, because I watched you walk into that hotel, and I did not have that experience, right? I have my parents are still together and I was you know very fortunate in that and but there's always things going on right? there's always relationships it's just you have this extreme example and I in a way lived it with you in the movie because I'm lost right all my signals forwards and backwards are not a part of that I'm just in the movie I'm, I'm a part of that and I love living those experiences for that hour and a half or whatever it is and I think you can learn a lot from it even if it's a standpoint of having a conversation with your kids or your family or your parents or, or whatever that might be. Um, and then it gets into the whole, the podcasting element of it. Yeah, there's these incredible, like you said, Titanic, and there's these extreme examples from a movie or whatever that might be, but it can live in, in small little spaces as well. And your movie doesn't have to go on to win Academy Awards or any of those types of things. It can just be what it is and it can grow from there and it can create these new opportunities and and it sounds to me like, man, we all learn a lot from it, but you, we've got to watch you learn a lot from it. I mean, I was like, I don't know if he's going to go and ha go on with this. And, and I, w I don't think anyone would have said like, no, 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 I'm not meeting him. I'm not, I, you know, again, spoiler alert, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think that even matters. It's like, you know how certain movies end, you still watch it, right? You know exactly what's going to happen. It's a true story. Like, this is what happens at the end of it. You still have to watch it because you have to watch the stuff play out that conversation like I figured when you and your sister got in that argument that you didn't just walk into the hotel or whatever or that that building that was in and you're just kind of like you're cool now no, no no like there was definitely more that went on and you have to understand it but I guess the question I would have is when you have that situation or you have the meeting because I was going to ask you I want to talk about Jose Canseco because of course he's an icon of that generation as it relates to baseball cards you have that content you have that footage and in the world of social media and IGTV and YouTube and all these different Facebook, whatever you want it to be, you could share that content or are you not allowed to share that backup footage that you have of those scenes? Because uh, actually, I'd watch it. I've actually been thinking about that, you know, like the Canseco uh, uh, interview specifically, you know, it's like I, I, it was almost two hours and it's amazing. And I was thinking like, you know, it would make a great podcast just to like release that. Yep. Uh, and and it wasn't just Canseco. I interviewed a lot of baseball players that didn't that that didn't get in the film, unfortunately. But I interviewed Will Clark. Okay. I interviewed uh, a bunch of guys and a bunch of baseball card companies too. There's like so much baseball card content that didn't get into the film. That I was actually bringing that up recently. It's funny you should mention that about like, hey, we've got all this great stuff. We should do something with it. Uh, there's a whole other storyline that got eliminated from the movie involving Upper Deck that. I'm dying to to tell that story. Yeah. Um, so who knows? I mean, listen. I, if it's up to me, I'm, I'm I would do it all day long. I mean, it's just a matter of finding a 
a, a partner that that's interested in 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 going down that road with me. Yeah. Um, as far as the incident in the hotel, I, I would say like you know if we weren't making a movie, I can't. I, I don't know that I would have that it would have ever happened. You know, I don't know that I would have ever done it. I think like subconsciously I know, you know, even when I'm in there, it's like I know that there's cameras rolling. And so it's like even though I'm present and I'm there, in the back of my mind I'm also thinking like are we getting this? Yeah. <laughs> right, this is like crazy what's happening. So it was it was a surreal experience. In the oh, – just in the – it was real. Yeah, I, 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 you can tell. I mean, just the way you even talk about it today, how you dealt with it then, you know, and maybe this is a spoiler question so someone can fast forward it. I'm curious what your relationship is today with your dad. Unfortunately, not much has changed, okay. um, which is sad because you would think that something like that would be enough to spark something to change. Uh, yeah, I maybe have spoken to him and seen him a handful of times in the last since that day. Uh, in the times that I did see him, I like ran into him accidentally, uh, and yeah, not much has changed, unfortunately. Um, I don't know whether he, maybe he won. I I don't know. I really couldn't tell you, man. Yeah. It's frustrating, and yeah. and I, you know, part of it might even be me just not even being interested anymore. Right. Um, you had that moment, and now it's yeah. what are you gonna do it. with it from there? Yeah, we did it, and it was it was it was a moment that we had, and will I'll always have, and then you know I, it's even in a movie like I could watch it. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's yeah. It's, it's a weird situation. But, oh, it's, uh, it's in the in Hollywood. There's like a big you know everybody gets back together, <laughs> but uh, yes, right. Real doesn't work like that. No, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. Uh, well, you had this. You had this. Know, go ahead. I don't know. If, I don't even know that he has seen the movie, to be honest with you. Uh, and I don't know that he even realizes what the movie is. Uh, still, like he's just like he lives in a bubble. Well, to say you'd have to get out. He would have to get outside of his himself to even like think that way. But like hearing your uncle talk at one point, like towards the end, like he. Yeah. Maybe that's just something that some people are not capable of doing for whatever reason, and I don't even know. if someone could psychoanalyze why and all, you know, you talk about the Holocaust and, um, you know, cause that was brought yeah. up and, and obviously that's a big deal. And it's just, to even, I don't know. To me, yeah. I got kind of, I kind of got upset when he's, he well, it's cause like an excuse you know? type of thing. And yeah, like, yeah, it was so lame. It was so yeah. lame. Yeah. Uh, right. Cause uh, you're not, you would never you, like downplay that as what the Holocaust was, was, but to like, then bring it up, you're like, you know, he's just, it's almost lame. like he said, it's very Because other people, you know, you'd be surprised because there are people that have written me that like, you know, I get messages all the time from strangers that have watched this. And so there are people that have written me saying like, oh no, that's a real thing. You know, what he's saying is real there. So you should show some compassion. <laughs> and and it, it, it might be, it very well might be a real thing, but. Right. Well, it's, I, it's the I story just, you, I gotta say this, this is, it's the story someone tells themselves and, and you know that might be the most one of the most extreme things that we could talk about but whatever story you want to tell yourself about that situation that you say it enough times and believe in it because yeah. you could look at it the other way and say man how lucky am i am to be here in the united right. states you know or, or in canada i should say i'm sorry in canada in north america and i have these kids and i have you know you could look at it from a different perspective of gratitude, of luckiness, of right. all these different, because the odds were he shouldn't be there. 
and you shouldn't no, be there. And so it's like, well, why would you like maybe say it from that angle? But again, there's so much there's so much at play there. It's hard to hard. But to also know. just like being around, like I have nephews, I have nieces. Like I can't even imagine. Like how do you not want that to be a part of your life? Like how can you just like walk away from that and not? It just doesn't make sense to me how someone can do that. Um, and there are people that can do it. So so that's that's what I was saying earlier. It's like it's a common thing, unfortunately. You know, parents. Not everybody's a great parent. You yeah. know, there's people that 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 can that can flip a switch and just walk away. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's uh, it's it's quite sad actually, but uh, it does exist. And hopefully, you know, a movie like Jack of All Trades can help brighten. You know shed a little light in a in a yep. dark place for for other people who have gone through similar circumstances and maybe make them feel a little bit more at ease about you know what what's happened in their life and where they where it's taken them if you can take something negative and turn it into a positive that's always a good thing and you know maybe i went through everything i went through just so i could be put it, telling the story you know i, I wouldn't sure. be talking if if my dad doesn't take off you and i never talk right right <laughs> so it's the yeah it's like and then there's like serendipity involved with it and how things happen weird butterfly effect kind of thing yeah you know marty mcfly goes in his time machine (laughs) and something changes you know this then then you and i aren't talking right now so right everything happens the way that it's supposed to unfold and you just sort of have to take life as it's uh, dealt to you no doubt so you go back so in the documentary it you know showcases the bar mitzvah and yeah. the happy time, the man becoming a man, and it's you know Jewish hair. I was bar mitzvah. And my son was a, uh, recently, and you, you think of it and Red then, muzzle th- yeah, thank you. And you, but you think of it as, man, this is a very happy moment. This is you look back on it, you just you think about it, you talk about it. You are doing that same thing, but from a standpoint of I don't want to say it was like no one died and it wasn't a funeral, but it was almost like that was it. That was the moment that you guys were a family and then it wasn't anymore. Yeah. And that is mind blowing to say, cause you said, I think you said it was a week later, which just, I mean, again, we're going back to that part and this is, this is the hard part, but it's like, that's just, it's just, I guess you used the word before surreal, like in, in, a, in a really bad way, but that the bar mitzvah became this point in time and you were so happy and you were like, you were who you were, right? You're this actor, you're interviewing, you're not scared of anything. You're just talking to people left and right and having a blast and people are smiling and then boom, that's it. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane just to think about it. But, uh, you know, the crazy part, just to give you a little bit of insight, you know, in the original cut of the film, um, there was no bar mitzvah footage. I didn't even know that we had that bar mitzvah tape until I went back to the boxes. Oh, wow found it in the boxes and was like, whoa, what's this tape? And so we didn't even have that bar mitzvah video. That changed the whole complexity of the movie, that finding that video and watching it. And if you ever get a chance to like, you know, watch the movie again, which maybe you will, maybe you won't, but now that you know what's happened and what the ending is, you're gonna be blown away by what, just that bar mitzvah tape. It's insane. You yeah. know, you can see, you can see just watching, whenever those tapes come on, you can see like my parents, what's going on you yeah can see well there was one clip that they showed and you were like he was eating and you were talking i think i don't know if i think it was your mom and they showed a clip and it was half a second yeah. one second and you knew right then and there that's yeah, it made sense because you guys have explained it a little bit already and then you knew he your father wasn't in the you know whatever in the picture but that there's something there 
Like, it, it, maybe it's just like one of those memes or like it's not real, but no, that looked pretty real. Yeah, even in his speech, he like alludes to some shady shit. You know, it's like there's just crazy stuff all over the place. And then the people that were at my bar mitzvah, you know, we had all these heavyweights of the baseball card industry were guests at, at my bar mitzvah. And it's like the same guy that I interrupted at his table at my bar mitzvah. It's like I saw ran into him at a card show 25 years later in under the same circumstances, like just interrupted him with a camera. And it was like insane, like just uh, – the it's just crazy you know it's like when you watch there's really really good documentaries out there and like thanks to the you know um thanks to platforms like netflix people are getting to see a lot more documentaries because of that you know it's like documentaries have had a huge resurgence over the last you know five ten years because of you know the culture has shifted and people are into documentaries and you know, the really great ones have like insane left turns that you don't see coming. And now that I've done it myself and I've, we have an insane left turn in our baseball card movie, uh, you know, I, I can I can probably guess that like the film gods were probably smiling on those productions too. It's like, it's like some sort of force of nature knows you're making a movie and like knows what's supposed to happen. You know, for him to just show up out of nowhere is insane. For us to find that bar mitzvah, video is insane um it the whole thing is just crazy it's just crazy it is well and it there's 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 the left turn but then there's these other little turns that happen so you we i saw it before right because you see the picture of you talking to jose canseco and i yeah. that quick question i have there is so how did you get jose canseco how did you get a set up a meeting with him in vegas so we went we, re, we reached out basically i made it like a, a dream list of every baseball player that I would want to talk to and uh, about baseball cards. And it was, uh, you know, Billy Ripken yep. and Jose Canseco and Don Mattingly and Todd Van Poppel <laughs> and just funny names that I, I compiled a list of, of people who I remember, Kevin Moss, of people who had uh, Mark McGuire. There was just whoever had a huge rookie card or was big in the hobby at that point. And we had, um, you know, one of the guys who worked on the film, Jordan, who's uh, I think he's in he used to be in the movie a lot more, but he still he still made it in a couple scenes. But he uh, you know, he started reaching out to these players to see if we could set up uh, interviews. And Jose was was all over it. And I don't know whether I don't know if whether it's him or his agent, but somebody was all over it. Yeah. But when we when I first got to his place, he it seemed like he didn't really even remember that he had booked this or he'd had no knowledge that we were supposed to be there it was really weird and he was very standoffish at first but you know obviously once we got to talk to him by the end of it he was like what are you guys doing later let's hang <laughs> uh, it turned out to be like a great guy yeah and you know i think that as someone like him that is as polarizing as he is he probably has his guard up for a reason you know it's like these guys these big time celebrities, you know, and nothing at, at one point, no one was bigger on planet Earth than Jose Canseco. You know, they have to have their guard up. There's so many people who are in their lives that are just not there for the right reasons. And you never know who's real and who's fake and who's trying to use you and who's trying to take from you and who's a hanger on her. Yep. And it's probably a ton of that in Jose's life. And, you know, he's generally speaking a lightning rod for controversy as it is. Uh, you know, he wrote that book and whatnot, and you know, I know he's not the most uh, beloved player in baseball anymore, but uh, you know, that doesn't none of that matters to me. I'm a fan of baseball, and yeah, I, I'm disappointed that my 
those are all pieces of shit who did steroids. Right. But you know, I, I I certainly loved watching home runs just like everybody else did. Right. And I loved I loved screaming at the top of my lungs when like, you know, Jose hit that fifth deck home run in the Sky Dome that you probably might yep. remember, or might oh, yeah. not. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and Bob Costas said that the Blue Jays have a better chance of coming back. Uh, that Elvis has a better chance of coming back than the Blue Jays. <laughs> and then the Jays ended up coming back and beating Oakland. Thanks to Roberto Alomar hitting a home run off Dennis Eckersley, but that's yep. a conversation for another time. It's a good one, though. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I remember Jose, and I remember the height of Jose, and he still looks the exact same. Yeah. He does not look like, you know, you go to card shows and you see Comic-Cons and a lot of heroes from the 80s and 90s, they look they don't look anything like themselves. Um, Jose looks exactly like Jose, and, you know, he's he was awesome, and I think he's just like a misunderstood guy who... Sometimes on the internet he posts some weird crap on Twitter. I don't know why he does that, but you know, whatever the case may be, my experience with him was amazing. Um, he autographed a bunch of stuff for us. He was so cool. Uh, you know, it seemed like he didn't really want us to be there at first, and by the end, like he didn't even want us to leave. Yeah. Uh, so you know, kudos to Jose Canseco, and thank God uh, he decided to be in the movie because. That's a huge get. For, oh, for, it was big, and you guys showcased at the front end. But and you, I could tell because I think when they when it went to that scene, there was like some awkwardness at the beginning. Oh and yeah, it, I think you needed to play that out. And by the yeah. end of it, he's like making a phone call for you, and that's the twist yeah. and turn because you just said it. Like you made this list and you reach out to people, and that's what you can do this day and age. You could have done it before. Now with social media, it's no different than us reaching out to your people on Twitter and Instagram right. and next thing you know we're talking on the phone like that doesn't happen and then right. then there's this web that like you talked about before that leads to this next stuff and you have this you have a meeting and you walk in and you got to see foul ball Paul right and you go in there and that that was the you, that doesn't happen unless no. you have that list of yours then you talk to Jose Canseco have a great conversation and he's like I'll take you to that next step because I think yeah, that was like another. The dots, the, 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 the dots start getting connected. That's it. And Ball Paul is a truly remarkable situation, and it's like the polar. In a lot of ways, there's a, a lot of similarities between my me growing up in in Ball Paul. Obviously, he's got health uh, conditions that thankfully, you know, are under control. But and I didn't go through that stuff. But as far as the baseball card stuff goes, you know, my, that's what my house looked like. <laughs> Growing up, yeah. I had the same the same thing, but his is even crazier. Um, but you know, Foulball Paul and his father, it's such a it's such a diff, it's such a compelling thing. And his dad, dad is just like the opposite of my dad. You know, he's just like this great dad who sacrifices everything for for Paul. And it's he's there for Paul, and like you can see, Paul's hobby of baseball cards has like overrun that family's entire existence. Yeah, their whole house is baseball cards. I think they moved recently, and they, I, from what I understand, it took like two or three moving trucks just to move his card collection. Wow. Um, when we were doing some screenings in the Toronto area last last year, um, Foulball Paul and his father and his mother came, came to Toronto, and, and before the movie, you know, obviously no one knows who they are, so they like just blended in beautifully. And at the end of the movie, you know, we came up to do like a Q and A type of thing. And I, I told Paul, just stay in your seat. Don't worry. Just stay in your seat. I'm going to make sure that we're, we're going to do something special. And so people would ask, you know, I, I waited for the inevitable question to come about, like, my dad. They'd be like, oh, so what's up with your, your dad? 
And I would be like, well, before we get into that, there's a really great father who's here right now. And ladies and gentlemen, foul ball Paul and his dad are <laughs> here. And then Paul stand up in the place like exploded. Oh, wow. <laughs> People went nuts. Yeah. So Paul has had uh, some some great uh, shine because of this movie. And, you know, if you see him on his social media, he's not shy about saying he's the real star of this movie. <laughs> Um, but, but Paul is a great guy and I'm so happy that I got a chance to get to know Paul and his family. And, uh, and you know, it's, I, I, I wish, you know, if more people see the movie, more people will see what I'm talking about. But foul ball Paul is the world Guinness world, world record holder for the largest uh, baseball card collection by a person, not a business. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy, happy go lucky guy who just loves Love he does it for the love of the game, not for the money. Yeah. So purity of, of Paul is not lost on me. And, and even when I went to go to a place, there was a place called Burbank Sports Cards, which has this insane warehouse of baseball cards. And you know, even that guy, he's so such a nice guy. Rob Barras is his name that 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 runs that shop, and he's just such a happy guy. And 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 Tom Guideman, the guy who created the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, another guy. So there's just – there is, you know, as, as negative as, as people think that this movie could be about baseball cards, it's, it's not because although you do I, – I, you know, you learn things that are not illegal but definitely unethical, you see that there's a lot of really good solid people that were in the industry and continue to be in the industry and, and in the hobby and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's a really cool thing. It's a really cool thing. What is because a lot of industries are littered with bad. I mean, you have real estate insurance, and you'll see it with marketing and insurance and all these different things, and there is bad. And, and that one just happened to have a bad time period. But going back to Paul's dad, you made a comment to him while you guys are sitting, I think, at his kitchen table. You're learning a little bit about him, and you just were so impressed by the father that he was. And obviously, you showed that throughout, and you showed it at the event that you were just at, and you kind of looked at him and. And told him just wanted to tell him what a great father he was and say it and he's you know he obviously he said he seemed to have gotten that a lot and he just felt it was so weird like what else would i do you know it was like of course i'm not saying i'm a great father he's just saying i just this is what i do like this is my son and i care for him and i would do anything for him and that was an important part of the movie i believe because you had the ex the other side of it as well yeah right yes. and, and that was a i don't know a touching moment it was I don't know. Fascinating. Imagine, yeah. Imagine Paul's life if, uh, yeah. you know, if his dad wasn't like that and his dad yeah. was my dad, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where would, where would Paul be now? Yeah. Um, who knows? I wouldn't even like to think about talk that. About but it, right. Yeah. So the baseball card industry is, you know, like we were talking about before, I remember a couple of things. I remember going, you know, I lived in the city of Buffalo. So we'd get on our bikes, we'd scrounge up coins and a little bit of money. We would ride our bikes down to the 24-hour store on Elmwood Avenue, and we would buy baseball cards. We'd come back, we'd do stuff, we'd play football, we'd do whatever we did. And then we'd go back in the afternoon. We'd be there like three or four times a day on the weekends. And we just collected and traded and it came across new cards. And, it, you know, it was 80s and whatever that would have been. And um, But that time period, of course, a lot of these cards didn't play out. And my father grew up in Cleveland and was a diehard Indians fan. And his family was. And he had all the cards. And during the movie, I'm thinking about it again. I'm like, I remember the stories of my dad telling me and my grandmother saying they threw all of his cards away. His card collection, he said he just had mountains of cards that was what you guys then got into in the movie 
the cards from the 50s and the 60s and like and even the 70s they don't exist anymore because my grandmother and I love her and she you know it's like they don't ex- and she wasn't the only one they all did it because they're like they were, my dad used to tell me they used to put it in the spokes of their tires of their bike yeah you know yeah. they play and they flip the cards I mean even if they still had them honestly they're probably in horrible condition but right and that explains in that and that and that created this bubble that allowed people to turn it into a billion dollar industry because of that very exact thing that you just said. Um, first off, uh, believe it or not, when I was a kid, I was a huge Cleveland Indians fan as well. So my, one of my favorite players was Corey Snyder. I don't know if you know who yep. that is. Oh yeah. <laughs> but he was, I had his, I have his rookie card in my, so cool. I, I didn't, I didn't burn my Corey Snyder card. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I was a big Indians fan, but, uh, anyway, you just said it kind of spells out the entire thing. I mean, it, it created a perfect storm for an industry to be born on hype and speculation because those cards from, from the baby boomers who want to go back and relive their nostalgia, they couldn't find the cards because they, 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 they either were thrown in the garbage or they were in shit condition. And a Mickey Mantle rookie card was all of a sudden selling for thousands of dollars. And, and the baby boomers knew that they paid five cents for a pack of cards. So how could it be worth five, ten, twenty thousand $20,000? So the, 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 if the boom sort of starts taking place because people think, oh, the Mickey Mantle is worth 20 grand because it's Mickey Mantle. So Don Mattingly, he's going to be the next big thing. And Daryl Strawberry and Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Roger Clemens and Kirby Puckett, these are all – it's the same thing. But it's not because as soon as you educate somebody to collect something, it's no longer rare. Yeah. <laughs> like – Everybody who pulled a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card out of a pack of 89 upper deck, the first thing they did with it is put it in a screw case or put it in a plastic. You know, So that means everybody who has a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card still has it and it's in good condition. Yeah. And so it's not – You know, everybody's got one. Yeah. You can go on eBay and there's like 10,000 listings for it. Yep. Uh, you know, that's not that, – and the same thing goes with comic books. You know, it's like as soon as you start seeing people buy comic books, one to read and one to put into a plastic bag with a cardboard backing, you know, it's over because everybody's got it and it's in good condition. Um, so now the baseball card industry has sort of corrected itself in, in, a, in a funny way that they now create the cards in order to be scarce and all the cards are autographed now and it's a whole different world and the – you know, there's no 99 cent packs anymore. Right. You know, it's very, it's a very businessy, businessy, uh, uh, speculative. Like, uh, you know, you're, it's almost like the lottery, and it was then too. I mean, you open a pack and you hope to get like a valuable card inside, and right. you can make trades with your friends, and the Beckett would come out. It was, and in a lot of ways, it's a lot of uh, an entire generation of kids learned about business um, from baseball cards. You know, and it's some. You know, some people learn from drug dealing. And yeah. Some people, yep. some people learn from baseball cards. Yeah. But it's literally a whole generation of kids that grew up trading and and buying and selling and and learning about you know business from 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 a hobby like baseball cards. So, yeah, I mean, nowadays it's 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 a whole different ball game. But you know, everybody as, as soon as any everybody starts collecting something, it's over. Yeah. It's too much. Too much of a thing is not necessarily a good thing. And um, in cards today, it has changed over, and you're starting to see it because if you pay attention out there, 
you're seeing the value of a lot of these cards. Basketball players, for example, they they got the prism cards. I, I, I think there's confusion because I think it takes anybody to educate themselves to really learn it, to understand like what are the different options that exist out there. I mean, like you said, they're creating scarcity. So you open up a pack, they're pulling out thousand dollar cards out of these packs possibly. Now the pack, yeah. like you said, doesn't cost 99 cents. It might've cost, it's still cheap, relatively speaking. If you get to a, the, the return on a $10 or $15 pack to get a thousand dollar card is pretty good return, I would say. But how many of those did you have to buy to get that? But the like, how do you, how much of the industry today do you understand? Like I saw your sisters, your net, your sister's kids, your nephews, they're collecting, they're very into it. What are they collecting today? Uh, you know, they're into, uh, they're into hockey cards and baseball cards and basketball. They, they really love basketball now. Cause I guess the Toronto Raptors are, yep. are a really good team and it's, you know, it helps, it helps. And I think that there is a perfect storm now for, for there to be a surge in baseball cards, but for different reasons than what Gary V says, um, I, I, I believe that it's there's like a perfect storm here that, that history could repeat itself in a way that, you know, we are now the same age that our fathers were when baseball cards first exploded onto the scene. So now if we want to go back and look back for our shit that we had when we were kids, that's going to be Ken Griffey Jr. and Jose Canseco and Don Mattingly and Mark McGuire cards. So – it's, it's the fathers could go back looking for those all over again and bring their sons and daughters with them and there's a whole new crop of players much like what we had when we were kids who are these amazing incredible crop of rookies and athletes that are on the scene right now i mean in baseball you have such an exciting batch of of talent you know you got your mike trouts and your uh you know uh, bryce harper and you got rookies like vladimir guerrero jr and 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 okunia and there's just so many good players and, and Aaron Judge and there's 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 a whole crop of exciting players in all sports right now for kids to to sort of gravitate towards and you know collecting cards is something that 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 is it that bridges the gap between generations and just the same way that fathers and sons were collecting cards together in the late 80s that sort of they were doing the kids were doing something that the father did when he was a kid and so that was a bonding thing for them and it could happen again you know, uh, it could certainly happen again. I know my nephews are definitely, they're up on their old school stuff. Like if in my nephew's bedroom, he's got posters of Bo Jackson and Michael I Jordan on it. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so he gets it. And my other nephew has like Dan Marino stuff on his walls. Like these kids weren't even alive when these guys were playing. Which is what you were talking about when we first chatted, right? Yes. When we first started chatting that like, who are these guys? Who's Dan Marino? Like they're yeah. talking about all these great quarterbacks. And yeah. I mean, for my money, Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. He never won a Super Bowl, but that doesn't make him any less great. And I hated him because he was for the Dolphins. I'm a Bills fan, you know. Wasn't he drafted to the Bills and he refused to come to the Bills? That's Jim Kelly. Oh, that's Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly refused to come, draft, and then he eventually though. got there. Same draft. That's the that's the '83 yeah. quarterback draft with Elway and Marino and Ken O'Brien, you know, all that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, do you think with history, and you mentioned Gary V, because you're right, he's talking tons about baseball cards, and, and you know, he's in that similar gener same generation, um, and he's seen it for the nostalgia and the fact that sneaker game is too hard to collect and all that kind of stuff. So, I definitely think he creates attention to the story of baseball cards. Um, but you had mentioned like not for the same reasons and, and you started talking about that with history repeating itself because history repeats itself as far as the good of collecting baseball cards. But do we get to that point of, well, we could 
overvalue the cards again. And we could say this this Giannis rookie card could be worth $10,000 or $300, whatever the numbers become, right? Does it become like, oh, that could become overvalued again and it's a piece of paper and it's for whatever reason, people are like, because the market says, nah, I don't want to buy it down the road. Like they maybe want to buy it for the next three to five years, but what happens in 10, 15 years, they're like, no, nah, I'm not interested in that anymore. Right, and, and, and a lot of these, it's such a speculative market that like, you know, a lot of these rookies like don't ever pan out. You know, it's like they don't become what you think they're going to become. Yep. I think it's crazy. The the values are, are are some of them are just insane. And you know, I could go up on eBay and I could list a Rocket Ishmael rookie card that I bought for ninety nine cents for five thousand dollars, and I could put like ten listings up saying that it's five thousand dollars. And now I can try to sell it for five thousand. Someone who looks it up on eBay will see that it's five thousand dollars. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of nefarious things you could do. I'm not saying someone should do that, right. but I, I have noticed that there's like a trend of seeing like these worthless old kind of, kind of common cards that are selling for, a, you know, who's buying it? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. And, and it's like, there, there's, listen, there's going to be shady, whenever there's money involved, there's going to be rats. You know, yeah. whenever there's seas involved, there's going to be rats, I guess yep. is a better way of saying it. Yeah. Um, there's nothing innocent, uh, uh, you know, whenever there's money involved, but You'd like to think that, you know, I think that Gary Vee's talking about, uh, you know, I would love to talk to him, by the way, and I've, tried, I've tweeted at him, and it's hard, you know, yep. it's like, yeah, he's busy. <laughs> lost in the sea of tweets. But, uh, you know, it's, he's he's thinking uh, uh, on financial terms that, you know, you can buy a rookie card, and it's going to hold its value, and it's it's a good investment, maybe. Um, you'd have to get, a, a lot of things would have to go right. Imagine 20 years ago, you bought a bunch of Jose Canseco rookie cards. Never mind the fact that, um, you know, forget, pretend that cards weren't overproduced and stuff like that. And it really was this rare thing. And then what happens 20 years later is like, Jose Canseco, it's, he's, you know, he, they did all these steroids or whatever. Now, now nobody cares. These guys aren't even yeah. getting in the Hall of Fame. A whole generation of players is not even gonna get in the Hall of Fame. And the other thing is like like what we talked about to open up this conversation is like who's to say that people are even going to care about that in 20 years? Kids aren't going to are going to not even know who who these players are or care. Yeah. Uh, the industry the could go away. I mean, the majorly... cards is right now. Right. The time is right now. Yep. Uh, the, the people who care about uh, uh, Bob Feller rookie cards, you know, that's like your dad's age. Yep. That you know that generation is slowing down and not. They don't, I don't think they're out there trying to like buy Bob Feller cards anymore. Right. Um, you know. So who knows? You know. Hopefully Gary Vee is right. But I like to think that there's a chance for the card hobby to come back because of the reasons that I said, which is, you know, there's the nostalgia for the parents, and then there's a whole new crop of exciting players for the kids, and and it's a bonding thing that your kid is into the same thing that you were into, and that's the thing that makes sports so cool to begin with. You know, the game of baseball is still the same game that, that we played when we were kids and that our parents played when they were kids. And so, you know, your father takes you to the hockey rink to watch you play hockey. There's like a bonding thing there. And baseball cards is that same that same thing. Yep. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I think it comes down to, I mean, I, exactly, first of all, on the sports aspect of it. And we talk about that all the time. You know, sports 
don't sports matter maybe because they don't matter because you can create these relationships and these opportunities to show up to an event together or sit at a bar together or to talk about it on the porch you know to hang out with each other you know that that's why we can have these conversations there's this common ground it's the ultimate to me it's the ultimate icebreaker we could talk about joe carter we might never have met each other and i say joe carter do you next thing you know we're talking for two hours and it's like it's fun it's exciting i do think that regardless of what anybody does it's like when if you want oh you want to be in the movie industry you go make a movie but how much time and effort do you have to put into it? All the research that goes into it. If you want to invest in the stock market, yeah, you could throw a dart against the wall and pick a stock and go for it and maybe it works out for you. But the research matters. The time you put into it matters. So if you're going to be like a Gary Vee, he's spending the time talking to people, researching, thinking through it, coming up with his own ideas. Just like you said, oh, I want to buy the Rocket Ishmael card. So I'm going to go on eBay. Wow, this card's worth $5,000. Well, if I can find it for $4,000, then I'm good. And you're like, well, you didn't do enough research there. You really have to think through these things. That's why the SEC exists in the securities industry. So people don't do these things. So maybe, I don't know if there's enough money there. It's obviously a big industry for the baseball card industry to have, so, or, or card, sports card industry to have regulation behind it. So this stuff doesn't happen. But then, yeah. then you start getting over-policing because the Securities Exchange Commission has done that. They over-police these people and they, they can't even get on Twitter and say anything. And they weren't even talking about the stock market. And they're like, no, 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 you can't say that. Be like, well, I can't be a human anymore. So there's, extre- there's, there's polar opposites going on here. But I think if someone were, to, like if my son came to me and said, Dad, I really love sports cards. I mean, that's awesome. And there's two sides to it, right? You can do it for the love of the game or do you want to make something big of that? You want to make some money off of this? Well, if you do got to really educate yourself because you and I remember those times where we would trade cards and you thought you got the better end of the deal because you really knew or you didn't and vice versa. It's just, it's like anything else. You have to spend time learning it and understanding it. And I think that's where it could work out. But like you said, no matter where there's money, there's going to be shady people around it. You just know that's happening. hundred percent. I mean, you could almost make parallels to what was going on in the baseball card business in the eighties and early nineties to what's going on with like Bitcoin today. I mean, and I'm not here to like start that conversation, but you know, it's, there's, it's unregulated. It's a wild, wild West. So there's nothing illegal. It's just unethical. <laughs> uh, and so you could do whatever you want, you could say, and, 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 and get away with it. And I think that's what was going on with the baseball card companies too. Like they weren't necessarily breaking the law, but you know, if it's true and there was Ken Griffey Jr. cards still being printed 10 years later, that there, that's just something wrong with that. Uh, or if they were just printing Ken Griffey Jr. rookies and that's it, like just running sheets of Griffey's, which, you know, some people say they did that. Some people say they didn't do that. Um, it depends who you believe. But, you know, just the thought of that happening, what's to stop them from doing that? It's like essentially they're printing money. And that's, you know, you see that a lot. There's a lot of parallels with, uh, you know, what's, with, you know, cryptocurrency. And there's other things too, Beanie Babies, anything. If you think of anything where there's like a craze, uh, uh, you know, I remember Cabbage Patch Kids like being the biggest thing, (laughs) you know, it was like Furbies. I mean, you can, anytime that there's like massive demand for something, uh, you know, you got to imagine that the print is going to just keep, keep rolling. Uh, you know, now you look at Cabbage Patch Kids, I remember, I don't even know how we got down this wormhole, but. When Cabbage Patch Kids were like the biggest thing, and you know, I was raised by a, my dad who who 
when he was in my life, you know, collecting was like embedded in me, you know? So I was like a pack rat of a collector, which is partly why we even made this movie to begin with, because when they had found the boxes of my shit from when I was a kid, I knew there's going to be great stuff in there. We got to film this because I knew that I collected, I just was an insane collector. And even at that young age. So I just, I remember Cabbage Patch Kids being such a huge thing. Like you couldn't even get one. And, uh, now if you go, back to buy a Cabbage Patch Kids still in the box, you can get one for like 30 bucks. Like it didn't go, you know, it's like, it only mattered in that one period of time. It will never be more important than it was that one Christmas, you know, when, when everybody needed it. And it, it's, it's, you know, Tickle Me Elmo. I don't know. It's like, I can throw out a million examples of, of, of crazies and hypes and, and baseball cards happen to enjoy a, a nice run of, you know, almost almost a decade of that and not just a Christmas. So it was a really a perfect storm for everybody. Um, you know, it's crazy. I, I, if you want, if there's anything that you want from your childhood, you could go on eBay and buy it still in the box. Yeah. More, more than likely. Yeah. Starting uh, lineups and all those like or any toys that like you said, all the different toys that you get after. Yeah. And, they're, and they're playing off of it. A lot of movies have come out like the arcades, the Wreck-It Ralph of the world. Right. Yeah. You yeah. go back in time. You're like, the arc, you know, you just wow, it brings up memories. And it's like you said, it's yeah. that nostalgia effect. And so if I can see it and I can take my kids to see it because they can get something out of it from their side and then I get some, you know, then everybody wins and, you know, the movie, they're making a lot of money off of that. So yeah, somebody is. Exactly. Yeah. So you're, you create this, like, first of all, like we said, you, you set down this path of making a movie about baseball cards. And sometimes when you seek to go down this path, other things come down. But when you put yourself out there and things can happen and you did that, but like putting yourself out there, forget even if it went down the path that it did, right? With your family and all that. But to make something, to create something from scratch, because I'm fascinated by that as I build a business from nothing. And other people, like I said before, you songwriters and, and artists and all these different things to put something out there that people then, it's not to get into what the reviews say, it's just being willing, the willing to do that. We need more of that. That's what, you know, our families came over here for better opportunity, better, you know, more freedom and the things to, to do different things. Um, the immigrant mindset, if you will. We need more of someone like yourself and I think even the businesses that we're creating, that's what we need in this in this world now. And, and it's not to like, let's go solve the world's problems. It's not that, it's just, I get excited when I see someone like you doing what you did. Did you see that when you started creating this documentary? Like, man, screw it. I'm going to go put myself out there. And wherever this thing goes, I'm going to go on this journey. And there is no like end game to it. It's just to create this piece of content that, you know, your, your nephews are going to have it. You, their kids, are, you know, who knows who's going to get to see it. I might see it. Someone in the other side of the country gets to see it. Other side of the world gets to see it. And they get to learn something from it. Did you think about like putting yourself out there and putting on this blank, you know, putting the script out there, or not even a script as a documentary, but did you think about, did you think through those things? I mean, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, you got to put yourself out there. It's like people, people, the one thing that people crave these days is authenticity. And when you can get a glimpse of, you know, nostalgia is one thing, but authenticity is a whole other thing. And when you feel like you're watching something and, and you can be immersed in something that is giving you an authentic experience, then you're going to win. Everybody's going to win. The audience is going to win. The storyteller is going to win. Nobody wants bullshit anymore. People crave that authentic, that authentic, that, that authentic experience. And 
and I, and I wanted it to be a real experience too. You know what I mean? And and I I know, I know you know I'm not like some stranger that a film company came up to and said, hey, let's do a documentary. This was my idea. You know, so I I knew what I signed up for, and you know even though I was not exactly planning on going down the path that I went, you know. I know at the end of the day that that's that's what that's what's supposed to happen. You know, you're supposed yeah. to sort of follow the clues that come along. Yeah. Uh, and and just go with it. And you know, I think that's what we got here. And I think that hopefully there's more guys like you out there that watch it and connect with it the way you did. And and then that's and then I'm winning. You yeah. know, and 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 that's that's what this is all about. I love watching. Now, do you watch? Um, you know. Even like making a murder or, or any of these like Netflix documentaries. Yeah, I have. I you know I saw one and I, I was just fascinated by like this word minimalist. So there's this there's a documentary and I didn't watch make and I, I know which one you're talking about. I have not seen that, but talking about documentaries, it was called minimalist. And I was just interested in the topic and I just hit play on it right because it's just you're looking through stuff and it was like oh that caught my attention. Let me watch it. And it was like raining on a Sunday morning and we just hadn't have anything going on, so I started watching it and. It was fascinating. And, you know, you come to find out they had a podcast and they had a book and they have these stories and you get to learn about other perspectives and how, you know, they, they have, again, I use the word extreme example of like getting rid of so much of their stuff, but there's something to it of like holding on to the right stuff and they got rid of a lot of it. But anyway, it's, it is that. And it was very true and real because they brought their families into it and his, one of the guys and his, he had this relationship with his mom and, you know, there's, there's tears in it, but it was real. It was their story. Yeah. They were. It just happened during. It just happened to happen during the filming of the documentary. Yeah. And that's what happens. It's incredible. It's like it's like I said. Like the film gods. Like that's a real thing. It really happened to me, and so I can attest that that is a real thing that does happen. Um, and maybe it's also part of like letting go of stuff, and and there's like a healing or some sort of I don't know. I don't know the word I'm I'm searching for, but. It, it, I love those. That's that's a beautiful moment when stuff like that can happen. Sure. And you know, I think that it's just a difficult situation for me too. Is like we were making this movie, and even my mom, like we had a bit of a a, a rough patch when the movie first was started coming out because I don't think she realized quite what she was signing up for either. And you know, so there was a little bit of like uncomfortableness within the family when the movie was first starting to play, and you know, especially. For me, like, like, like I said, this is something I've never talked about before, and now it's like out there, and now it's like all I'm talking about, and it's become, it's been good for me to be able to talk about it, I guess, but it's just still shocking to me when, you know, uh, on the local Toronto um, uh, TV station here, they were running commercials for Jack of All Trades, and it was like, and Jack Eisenstein, who abandoned his family, went, well, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, that's <laughs> Yeah. Like holy shit. Like yeah. that is insane. Yeah. Like that can't be out there like that. And I was, I was like upset. I was like, how can they say that? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's kind of what we said in our movie. So right. That's why. Yeah. So it's it's real life. It's different. It's different than a scripted movie. It's it's real life, and there are real life consequences. And you know, well, there's life. different perspectives around it all. You know, yeah. and, and and you you open the curtains a little bit and and let this thing get out there. And, and it's going to change some stuff, right? And then you just, it becomes, like you said, you're dealing with it all the time now and it becomes a part of, a part of you. It's on there. You know, you got IMDB. It's part of one of the things that you've created and then people can have perspectives of it for however they want to, however they want to think through it. 
Um, but I mean, but but that's it because it's not for everyone. We always say that you know if if you're creating a business and you're trying to sell a product, you can't possibly even Apple iPhone, right? They create this amazing product that a lot of people love and now all of a sudden a lot of people don't like it and they go Samsung, but you can't possibly sell it to everyone. Not everyone is going to like it. You create it for the right person. So I come across it. I really like it. I watch it. I bought it on iTunes. So I own it now. So I can watch it and I can sit down and my son are going to, and I, when we have some time, I want him to see it because I think it's a really cool story. You know, and other people and and they listen to podcasts and other people and they might, who knows, maybe they don't like it. Maybe they do like it, but that's okay because that's what it's supposed to be. You know, they can listen to this podcast and they could have turned our podcast off 10 minutes in. We're like, this is boring. I don't like it. Okay, that's fine. And, then, and that's why you keep doing it. It's, it's, you can't possibly like everything. <laughs> you know, there's just so many different options out there um, that exist. And, and you've mentioned, well, actually going to this real quick, um, putting this out there, right? And you're having these conversations and people are talking about it. Has, has more come about? Have people talked to you? Has this, has this, piece that you've put out is this documentary that you put out led to potential and that, that was not the agenda i know that and you can just tell that but has it led to more opportunities for you I mean, we'll see that that remains to be seen but i can tell you that it's definitely you know i've had crazy stuff happen since you know jeff garland who is um from curb enthusiasm and the goldbergs yeah like he he reached out to me saying how much he loved the movie and like I never met that guy before and now he's just like hey man wow. if you ever need anything here's my number that's cool and, yeah you know, it's like cool stuff like that has taken place but uh, also you know we've been in there's been a couple of movie companies that have hit us up about doing some other stuff um, you know the shame for me is that you know and, and hopefully it will open up more doors I think that like a lot more need, needs to happen in order for that it to really be impactful in that sense and I think that's just more people will have to see it yeah. But I've definitely, you know, it's been eight out of ten people who have seen it like it, so that's good. That's very good. <laughs> I think um, that's very but, good. But you know, I think I think more is going to need to happen for it to really have like a, a profound impact on my career. Um, I think we're still in grind mode as far as my my, my me and my brother-in-law, who we have, we have our company Five Seven Films. We're still very much in grind mode. We're still working our asses off. And nothing is be not, nothing necessarily has been made easier as a result of this uh, movie coming out. But I think it will help in the long run for sure. And you know, it's a quality piece of work. So how could it hurt? No, it can't. Uh, uh, but, but you keep mentioning you know that you built a business from scratch. Like I'd love to know more about that. What yeah. Is, what is well, you know, it's funny too because you just mentioned it, and I wanted to, I wanted to get in this, and I want to talk about that too. You mentioned five seven films. Is that your height? Is that yeah. Is that yes. what it is? Okay. <laughs> and my brother-in-law happens to also be five foot seven. Oh, okay, so, so you guys are both running it together. I love that. I mean, because you just created it, right? It was just like this idea that you had, and you put it out there. And I mean, I figured as much. Um, seeing you next to Jose Canseco, who's just a monster of a man, right? <laughs> no, so I, um, the company that I started, it's been six and a half years. Um, it's called CasSource. And before I was, believe it or not, in life insurance brokerage. And, and what I saw in the insurance industry, and I'm again from Buffalo, New York. My grandfather um, is the, in Niagara Falls and him and his brother um, were general agents for John Hancock. John Hancock Insurance Company, a long time ago. My grandfather passed away way long ago, way too young, but has been like an icon in our family. A lot of people look up to him. and. You know, came to school in the South and Charleston, South Carolina, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. It's like, what do you want to do? Well, I love finance. I wanted to get in the finance space. So anyway, 
uh, moving forward, I kind of like that was the dot com era, and you know, I kind of saw something. I was like, this is weird because I just keep hiring people at this very large company. It was almost like the the boom of the baseball card industry. If you were to come in at the end, you're like, hold on a second, there's way too many Ken Griffey cards out here. I was like, there's way too much happening, too much good, too many people are making money. I didn't know anything of the time, and sure enough, the bottom falls out. The dot com era ends and all that. So going forward, I get up in the insurance industry and you know, built my career doing personal production and life insurance, and then eventually got recruited to join this large brokerage company some years later and, and did that for nine years and had a great run of it, but also realized that I wasn't running my own thing. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I wasn't doing what my grandfather did or what my father did in Western New York, which is he ran a dental practice and, and built a business and got really into the business side of things. And and so um, I always knew I wanted to have my own business, but I had to put my time in. Like we were talking about research and put your time in and think through things. And, you know, things change and my business changed hands and private equity groups got involved. And, and living in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, a few, some years ago, the banks were like, the, and they still are, but it was a banking place and everybody worked for the bank. And I said, I will never work for a bank while living in Charlotte until I woke up one morning and one of my clients called me up. He's like, you sons of bitches, you guys just sold yourself to BB&T. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And BB&T is a big bank in the Southeast. And next thing you know, I worked for a bank literally overnight and I had no control over that. And I was just, you know, this is this was the beginning of the end for that and changes were happening. So I built my own company in CASSource. It was a life insurance group, but I realized early on and I knew this for a while because I studied marketing and I love stories and all this. I'm like, the storytelling, the messaging, all that in the insurance world is just bad. No matter what angle, B2B, B2C, whatever angle you come in at it from, I thought the messaging was bad. So I wanted to create content and I wanted to tell stories, but I wasn't going to create like a, a Buffalo Bills blog or, you know, I'm a big Ohio State fan, create an Ohio State. I just didn't want to do that. It had been done already. And I love sports. So I talked about sports and I talked about business and I read about it. So I was like, well, why don't I write about it? So I started writing about sports and business and create analogies and just all the different intersections that live at that kind of like we're talking about here. And what's your movie? It was this intersection of life and sports and sports cards and all that. So I started writing about it and creating content and it became a, wait a second, what are you guys doing there? I thought you sold life insurance. And then it was like, they were confused at first and then they said, well, can you help me out creating content for my business? And we're like, so we started doing that. And then other people took notice and then people saw that. It's like that web of things that just start to come about. And then all of a sudden, we, because of that, we built a marketing company on the heels of it, knowing that disruption's happening, right? Disruption's happening in a lot of industries. It happened in the baseball card industry. It certainly happened in the life insurance industry with technology and just the changes with data availability. And so anyway, come of that, the, the marketing company grows. And then we started venturing off and forming relationships and partnerships with other groups. So we create this venture company where we just work different relationships with different groups and different organizations, help them create revenue for their business. So CASSource, again, is an insurance group. It's got a marketing company. We've got these different ventures that we built out. And Sports Epreneur is that platform with the sports and the business aligned. And we have the podcast. And we it's called Entrepreneur Perspectives. And the Sports Epreneur has a podcast. And really what it is, it's just can we create amazing content? Can we work with people to, to help them feel optimistic about where their business is going? Because that's what it's all about. And it's just you know feeling compelled to help other business owners, help other entrepreneurs. And you see a story like you have, Stu, and you're like, wow, this it resonates with me. Before I even saw it, it resonated with me. And then it was backed up by when I did see it. And it's like, well, let's tell that story. And how can we tell that story? And how can we help that person? And it's, it is that pain it forward thing, but you realize that if you do enough of the right good things, good things are gonna happen, you know, usually. Yeah. And, and it's just, 
I want to have these opportunities to create in business and create could be strategy. It could be a business deal. It could be truly writing an article. It could be doing a podcast, but we want to do it for us. And what do I learn from that? And then help do that for other business owners, whether it's on a podcast or working with them in their business and the team that we've created here. So it's a blank sheet of paper and it's just, man, it's just a lot of fun. Um, I, my mom, like I said, was an artist. I'm not an artist in that sense. I have a, you know, she's got a banner right where I'm sitting in my office right now. And she took this blank piece of canvas and she created her, you know, she created um, this amazing piece from that. And I want to do that. My wife writes some songs and, and you can take a blank piece of paper and you can write a song from it. And I want to do that, but I want to do it in business and I want to do it in writing and podcasting. And like, I want to afford myself the ability to continue doing those things for many, many years. And it can change, right? It could be dynamic. It can, it can, it can morph into something different. And that's why you keep showing up every day because you don't know when that thing happens. And I see that with what you created is you keep showing up into the movie world and all this stuff. And you got tons of changes in Hollywood and all that. And then one day you're like, I showed up because I had this idea. And then you get into that idea and that idea becomes something else. And it, fascinating and people need to be a part of it and when i can see it from if no one else even listened to it and i just saw it i'm like man i'm blown away by it so anyway that's probably the long of it but yeah that's what that's what it became and that's why we have conversations like this no that's really that's really awesome and it's inspiring for sure and i think that uh you're doing good stuff sounds like you're you also like like what you do which is like that's <laughs> the best part about it right yeah it's kind of important i think yeah <laughs> doesn't feel like work when when you like what you do yeah uh and that's the best and yep. and i think that right now in in the world in general like you know the bad guys are, are on a run right now where the you know the bad guys have been winning for the last couple of years it's been it feels like the good guys are not winning too often so there will be you know it's gonna happen and the good guys are gonna be back and you're 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 ahead of the curve so i think uh you know you're doing it sounds like you're doing really great things and and helping out um you know, the little guy, find a big voice. You're like a voice for the voiceless. Uh, it's really cool. That's really, really cool, man. Yeah. So congratulations well, to you. I appreciate it. And you know what? It's We say all that, and it's up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. I'm sure your movie, it was like, you saw it as you lived the movie, but like the production, and all, it's like this, oh my goodness, and maybe it will never even air this movie. And there's just all sorts of crazy stuff happens, and then tax season comes along, and you're like, oh my God. And, and then some days you wake up, you're like, why am I doing this again? And then you have to remember like why it is you show up and, and have good people around you. I always talk about like, you have to have these positive people around you, and I felt like you had that. You had the people that, they weren't just yes people, they were calling your stuff out, and you were calling them out. And it's like, but then you had this support group. And I think you need that in a way all the time and making sure you have these right people. And you also, podcasting became so big for me because at the time before I started the business, I was like getting in my own head and I was thinking through things and creating these negative thoughts of like, no, 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 I can't do that. And so I started listening to podcasts and you start with a little bit and then a more and then and I was like, wow, this really helped me. And then I was reading a lot. And then I started listening to books a lot because you have to fill your head with the positive noise or just good stuff, not just positive stuff, just strategies, ideas, thoughts, what other people doing, biographies, whatever that might be. And it's like watching your movie, get outside of your own head. What is foul ball Paul up to, right? Thinking about those types of stories. What did you have to go through with your family? And then just just in business. So like, no, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and I feel like we are doing a lot of great things, but you know, it's not without its struggle. There's no doubt about it. And we don't, I don't try to pretend it. There's a lot of the stuff I create. I actually came out with an article on sports entrepreneur. It was like, there's a lot of self-talk in what I put out there. 
it's not just I'm I'm not a motivational speaker by any stretch. I'm not telling people exactly how to live their life or how to run their business. I have ideas and thoughts and we can think through it. But a lot of times I'm just like kind of putting it out there because it's what we need to do in our business or what we're trying to do in our business. It's a pursuit. It's not like some end game of like, oh, I figured it out. I'm going to tell you exactly how to live your life. No, I I think we're all trying to figure that out, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I think we're all looking for answers and. That goes back to the point that we were making about like everybody, you know, any problem you think is unique to you is not unique. Be everybody, there's hundreds of thousands of people going through the same thing. And like you said, you had some inner doubts in your own self and you started listening and hearing other people's stories and realizing that you're not alone and there's ways that other people have encountered it and dealt with it and it's hel- it helped you. It's, it's, it's very much uh, a lot of serendipity in this entire experience that I've been on your show here. Um, I, I I think it's great. I mean, what you're, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer that you've got you've you've got it you've got it right, man. And um, hopefully that will rub off more on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd love to stay in touch more. I mean, no doubt. I mean, just like I said before, we got when we started talking that I felt like I knew you because I got to see you in action. I and mean, there's so much more to you. I know of that. Uh, I mean, just you being a part of the scene. I mean, it's such a fascinating scene that you're in of, I know you're in Toronto, but it's the Hollywood scene as they call it and the movie industry. And you've said Netflix, I was bringing this up before and and we can get you out of here too. But um, where are we going with all of this? With Apple, you know, I I bought the movie on uh, the iTunes store and you have, you know, Amazon Prime and you have TV shows. And I talk to young people now. They're like, no, 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 I don't watch movies. I watch TV shows because I can watch it 30 minutes or 45 minutes at a clip and I can watch a series of them, but I can stop it. And the thing's changing so much. And you know, probably more than than any of us here would know about that. Like, where where do you think we might be going with the whole industry, the movie industry and just Hollywood in general? Well, it's, it's, it's a pretty scary future uh, for a lot of people. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's not like it was when we were kids. That's for sure. Uh, it has evolved into, you know, kid, people are entitled now with their entertainment. You know, it's uh, they can watch whatever they want, when they want, how they want. You know, it's, there's no more appointment viewing. Like if you want to watch a show, you don't have to wait till Thursday at 8 o'clock. You can watch it whenever you want. And – you know, and also, like I said earlier, I could look up anything on YouTube and just watch it. Um, or you could, you know, if, I, if there's a movie I'm thinking of that I want to see, I just search on the Apple or on iTunes or wherever else. I'm going to find it eventually and be able to watch it on Netflix or wherever else. It wasn't like that back in the day. Uh, you know, if you wanted to watch a movie back in the day, you'd have to go to the video store and spend 90 minutes figuring out what that whole like scrolling. <laughs> Yeah. That whole scrolling through Netflix thing to find what to watch used to take place. You'd have to get in your car and drive to a place to do that. <laughs> yep. And 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 that doesn't exist anymore. And you know the importance of of a movie, uh, it, 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 the the shelf life of a movie and a song, it's not the same as it was because of that. Um, this instant gratification kind of era that we're living in. You know, back in the day, you. When you were a kid, you could watch the same movie a hundred times, you know, and, and that's because you had no choice. Right. But you, you still did it, and now it's not like that anymore. Like a little kid that like, has an iPad and can watch whatever the hell they want. Or if a song you loved, you'd have to like wait for it to come on the radio <laughs> and, and or else you weren't going to hear it. It doesn't work like that anymore, obviously. And as a result, you know <clears> – <throat> You know, you used to have songs and and you used to have movies that transcended pop culture and would had a long shelf life. Now a TV series 
that you used to have to watch over the course of six months on NBC, you can watch in over the course of six days by just binging it, and then it's over. And so it doesn't have that same kind of cultural long-term impact that it would have back in the day. You know, uh, it's 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 quite interesting. The big movie companies are not making little movies anymore. They'd rather make one Avengers and make a billion dollars than swing at like 20 movies and try to make that same amount of money. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's like the days of the Honda dealership are over. Everybody wants to be a Ferrari dealership where you only have to sell one car to keep the lights on. And, and that's sort of what's going on in the movie business right now. And as far as television goes, unless you're doing sport, you know, sports will always be good because – Sports, you have to watch it live, or else it's not. It's done. It, sports has an ex, has an expiration date, of you know you're not going to watch last week's game. You know what I mean? You're going to watch it live, and that's it. Unless something spectacular happens and you watch the highlights. But once a sporting event happens, it's done. Once uh, you know WWE is smart, they run their show live every Monday night, so there's still appointment viewing there. If you don't watch it live, you know you. It's different than sports in the sense that you could watch it, I suppose, the next day and still get experience. But if you want to see what's going to happen, it's live. And you know, maybe there'll be other stuff like that as far as television goes. But there's definitely adjustments that are going to have to be made or else things are going to change in a very drastic way, even more so than they are now. Um, it's a great time for independent filmmakers like myself and others because of the fact that the studios are not making as many films anymore and they're only making like these huge big budget superhero movies you know not everybody wants to watch a superhero movie every week so there's room for new everyone you know there's going to need to be new content yep so guys like me who can make movies we're going to have places for to be, for them to be seen that they never would have been able to be seen before because there's so many more options um it's a little wishy-washy man but, no, uh, I get it because it's that's the two sides of it, right? Because yes. it's like, well, one side, it's like, man, we're just taking everybody out of it. But then at the same side, we've kind of cut the middle person out a little bit. I mean, maybe there's still some middle people because you got to get it onto the different platforms in order to view it. But you have an opportunity, like you said, if you're willing to put yourself out there and put some effort behind it and make a good quality show, program, or movie, whatever it might be, you do have a chance. Whereas before, it's like you had to pitch it to the studio and the studio could be like, no. And if... Then, then what? Then you didn't have any other options. It's, it's just the whole business also, like there's a whole generation that's way younger than us that, that not only do they not know what Nirvana is or Joe Carter is, they also don't know what it's like to pay for something. Everything they want is free. Right. They want to hear a song, it's free. They want to watch a show, it's free. Everything's free. And you know, if our movie's good because the generation of people that is attracted to my movie doesn't know how to watch a movie for free. They'll go to iTunes and download it. Like a, well, so like that's a, a good that's a good point because like your movie right now is not unless I miss it somewhere. But I don't think it's free, right? So I paid ten dollars, let's say, on iTunes for it, and and I don't have a problem with that. I'm like, if I would have gone to the theater and watched it, it would have cost me fifty dollars, you know. But are people going to be reluctant to do it because it might cost them four ninety nine or ten dollars or twenty dollars to There's watch? There's a whole generation growing up that will not pay 
for anything. No, I get it, but I think all these things survive. It, it means because of advertising or subscription. But even the advertising, like who do you know that clicks on nobody. an advertising? Nobody. Nobody. But 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 and that's but that's the issue in the in in the advertising, the marketing world. It's like there's actually very large businesses that actually still put their money behind it, as opposed to getting on Instagram or Twitter and truly tripling down on put all your money there or whatever platform it might be, wherever your audience may be. As opposed right. to, like you said, like buying a banner ad for, you know, or, or, or a billboard for that matter for how much money that costs. And it's ridiculous because it's completely overpriced. And like you said, nobody's I, clicking it. <laughs> no, nobody's clicking. I don't know anybody who would ever do that. But also, um, you know, I'm sure there is somebody who does, but <laughs> I don't know them. Yep. But I think like history is going to repeat itself too in the sense that like back in the early, hey, in the early inception of television, you know, TV was made as a means to make money from advertising. Somewhere along the course of it, things changed because the quality of programming and the storytelling and the talent sort of superseded the advertising and people watched, you know, it, it, the, the, the mindset sort of changed and people wanted quality and like they wanted to win Emmys and Oscars and stuff like that. But, you know, back in the day, like you look at a game show like The Price is Right, the entire show is a commercial for whatever products are on there. Yep. Or, you know, soap operas were called soap operas because it was like created by the the soap com the, the, the <laughs> detergent companies were paying for those things to be made. And even children's cartoons back when we were kids, you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, great shows. But those are owned and made by toy companies in order to sell you toys. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that come back like branded content is going to have to be a thing again more than ever because you know as broadcasters are shying away from spending big money like somebody's got to pay for these projects to get made and you know I'm lucky that I live in Canada where the uh you know and I and I'd lived in LA for 20 years and I still have a place in LA so I'm not I'm very versed on what's going on in LA and I wish I was there right now believe me it's pretty cold for May here in right. Toronto <laughs> but uh but my point is is that that you know, in Canada, the Canadian government subsidizes the arts. So there are, you know, there's grants and there's programs and there's ways to get money to make your movie here um, that don't exist in the United States. Um, that I'm lucky that I'm, I was born here, so I could, I'm able to like access those. Now I'm not obviously that's not my goal is to not come here and make movies on low budget movies on grants. But, you know, that is an option for people here. But, you know, not everybody has that option. So I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, branded content. And, and probably your company is going to do very well heading in that direction if you can wrap your head around this in a certain way. But, yep. you know, so there, there's got to be, you know, I know like beer companies are making movies now. Uh, you know, there's you're, you're going to start seeing a lot more of that type of stuff. Well, you've um, seen a little bit like I've seen golf tournaments like the Masters and it was uninterrupted, no commercials because then they had the sponsorship, whoever that might have been, uh, one of the big insurance, somebody when they would just put their logo everywhere and that right. kind of became it. Or like you said, the beer company's coming out and they're producing the movie or Chevrolet's going to come out and they're the ones that are, you know, funding the whole project. And it's a one, like you said, it's one big commercial inside of the movie. That's the cars that they drive. Because, you know, it's like with TV, if TV... Is ratings are down, that means advertising rates are down, which means less people. And also, everyone can like PVR and DVR things and fast forward the commercials. Yep. So there's got to be, you know, this industry was built on advertising, and if you take advertising out of the equation, then you have to have a Netflix model where people are paying you a subscription fee to watch your stuff. And you, so, yeah. Does your movie go on Netflix at some point? Have you talked about it? Thought I about hope it? So. 
I would hope so. I okay. think that you know Netflix is it's a different ball game when Netflix first came out and they were transitioning from being a company where people were sending DVDs through the mail and it sounded like a terrible idea and they started going into streaming they were begging for content and it was like they were paying big money and begging people to put their stuff on Netflix and obviously that has changed Netflix has built their own uh, empire and now it's like they hold the cards and so you know rather than them taking on my movie they would rather they would rather spend two million dollars and do their own movie yeah you know it's so, so who knows? Um, ultimately, I'd love to end up on Netflix because then I'd, a lot more people would see the movie. But you know, it's not really my call. You yep. know, it's like, yep. even if I make the best movie ever, I don't. It doesn't. You know, I'm swimming in a different swimming pool than they are at the moment. And you know, they're making they're making and buying big budget glossy stuff with lots of coats of paint on it. And <laughs> my a little bit more DIY and rough around the edges. So, like I said, if there's a word of mouth and some organic thing that snowballs that makes this movie become a thing then it'll it'll hopefully you know it'll end up on on netflix but you know um i don't know i don't know what's going to happen with it may yeah. may be what it is and that's what it is and that's good that's okay but that's the journey that you're on with it um i think people should watch it i'm going to absolutely tell more and more people i'm going to watch it again and you know like i said i'll have my son watch it and i feel people listen to this and, and give it a try um, and it, like you said, it, it'll become what it is from there. And, you know, you put it out there and just keep doing what you're doing, man. I mean, and, 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 and we'd love to stay in touch and learn more. How could people, so I, I bought it, like I said, I bought the movie, uh, Jack of all trades on the iTunes store. I think you can buy it on direct TV. I think you can buy it on Amazon, uh, Amazon prime. Um, is that how people should watch the movie? And then yeah. how can they get in touch with you or your studio? Yeah. Um, they can definitely get the movie through those streaming platforms and they can help us greatly by leaving reviews wherever they got it, whether it be, you know, Amazon or Apple or iTunes or on IMDb, that, that definitely helps our algorithms. But, uh, I am on social media. I have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Stu Stone, S-T-U-S-T-O-N-E, but Jack of all trades has a great Instagram and Twitter page and Facebook page. Uh, I love it. And, uh, I definitely suggest anybody uh, who is into sports in general to check it out. But the Jack of all trades, uh, I think it's Jack of all trades doc on Instagram and baseball card doc on Twitter, Jack of all trades, the movie on Facebook, but we post every day, a new baseball card with a little fun tidbit. Uh, it's such a fun, uh, it's such a fun page. So hopefully people will yeah. just hit us up on there. And um, you can also hit up our, the, uh, our tireless, uh, PR uh, marketing strategist Matt at Five Seven Films. Yep. He set this interview up, and he, you know, he's like Jerry Maguire. You know, <laughs> he's got he's got the goldfish, and he's got us. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. He was very easy to deal with, and you know, uh, just he got it done. Yeah, <laughs> he's, been, he's been doing. Believe me, he's been doing tireless work trying to get the word out on this movie, and it's not been easy. Um, and you know, I, I even. In, in the baseball card industry, there's like a lot of, you know, I'm sort of like a public enemy number one to a lot of companies, and I shouldn't be. And you know, it's like it, certain companies, I don't want to name them, but they're not really thrilled with me or the movie. And and I think that's stupid because they should embrace it. Because first of all, anyone who works at that company now wasn't even there when, when any of that stuff went down. Right. And clearly, the industry is a different world. I'm talking about stuff that happened 20, 25 years ago. Yep. And second of all, 
I'm reminding people that they loved baseball cards. Yeah. So if anything, I'm like making them want to go look for their cards. Oh, yeah, 100%. Go out and start to collect. So they should be embracing this and know that like this was not meant to be a smear piece by any by any means. This was made from with heart and love for yeah. the hobby. And even though I did what I did to my collection, no spoilers at the end of the movie. Believe me, man. Time has passed, and I've started getting right back into it. It's like you can't. Yeah, um, there's I, great attention. You created great awareness around it, and you just said that. So you are collecting again. Oh man, how could I not be? I mean, <laughs> like, so what are you? So you know, what cards? Like, so if I'm gonna go out today, there's actually a baseball card um, store literally like out the window across the street in this like uh, plaza, whatever you call it. And he opened up a year ago. I think it's Charlotte Sports Collectibles. Like, so I'm gonna go to his store. Let's say, what packs today? Or are you buying older stuff, or are you? Buy- I like the I, I like the older stuff just because okay. like that's what I'm into. But yep. there's obviously like outstanding stuff, and I don't how I don't know how old your 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 kids are or your son is, but uh, you know if there's like you can pull really cool stuff out of the modern. Sorry about these dings. Oh, you're good. The, the modern current product has autographs and really cool stuff of their yep. of the modern day players. So definitely, there's some cool stuff to check out there. But you know the old stuff that you want is so cheap that it's just so fun. You know I have boxes of '87 tops and 1986 cards, and I look you can just open them, <laughs> and and it's it's amazing. And you know I, I have uh, you know I don't have a huge collection. I did at one point have a crazy collection, but you know I've made decisions that <laughs> were for the better good of uh, of, of making the, you know my story. But you know, I've gone back out and I've reacquired uh, a Billy Ripken card that has uh, that's yep. the, the profanity on the yep. on the bat. That's a good one. <laughs> I've reacquired a 1989 upper deck set. I've got my Griffey Jr. You know, I'll, I can get up and actually look right now. I've got. Uh, so it's for the love of the game you're doing it. It's not necessarily it's not for, for investment purposes. Yeah. Okay. You know, I've gone out and got a Don Mattingly rookie and a Kinseko, and you know, I've got it's it's cheap, and you can go to a card show. And walk around and, and you know, you, all that old stuff that we were into isn't – there's only like a few vendors that even have it. Yeah. And and so it's, it's out there. It's available. You can touch it. You can feel it. And that's another thing that this generation – and it's good that we can end on this old man rant because I think we started this conversation with an old man rant. But kids today, everything is files. Music is a file. Everything's a file. A movie is a file. A baseball card is a tangible thing that you can hold and touch and feel and immerse yourself in, and I love that. You know, back in the day, we'd go to the record store. You have to buy a record, and you lived with that record, and you read the liner notes and the booklet, and you don't have that anymore. And you know, I think that's why you know a lot of vinyl has become such a huge thing. And and the same thing could happen for baseball cards. I like to say, uh, you know, wax is the new vinyl. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's there's gonna well, be. And that's coming out, you know, vinyl records. So you're right. I mean, it's like those things that you, it's not a file anymore. You actually have to have the player and the, and the needle and the whole thing. And yeah. it's no different than the wax. And maybe we'll start putting bubble gum in there again. But right. no, I think you're, I think you're spot on. And I mean, I'm just, I'm honored that I was able to have this conversation. I think it's yeah. so cool. I saw, I, I saw the movie yesterday. I, I agree with you. We'll put in the show notes, the different social media accounts. They can click on it, make it easy for them. But, um, 
you, it's absolutely right. You know, I think back, you have the, I think one of your posts in the last, I don't know, a couple months or whatever, Eric Davis card. I would love Eric Davis. I have all his cards. Ricky Henderson rookie card is my favorite card. I love it. Like, I love Ricky Henderson. Every time he came up to bat, I'm like, Ricky Henderson's up to bat. I got to watch it. He's about to steal another base. And for whatever reason, like, I just remember that stuff. And this stuff brings that out. But it's got the other side of it too. So you could have zero interest in baseball cards and it's just, it's the element around it. Um, so the movie's great. What you're doing is great. And like I said a couple times before, I'd love to stay in touch and we're on social media. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's it's yeah. been a pleasure. Yeah, it's definitely been a pleasure and hopefully we'll be making other movies and I'll come back on here and talk about those. Let's so do it, man. Thank you Let's so do it. And, uh, you know, reach out anytime, man. I got your back. And, uh, you know, we, we are now allies in the, in the good fight, man. So thank you. <laughs> It was incredible chatting with Stu about his documentary, Jack of All Trades. His insights into the collectible industry are fascinating, entertaining, and eye-opening. His willingness to talk about his family has the potential to help so many. I'm grateful Stu was willing to share his story on this podcast. These stories from amazing people like Stu Stone are what it's all about. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out Jack of All Trades on iTunes or Amazon Prime. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sportsepreneur. Thank you for listening to the Sports Epreneur Podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. Now go get it.